If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 30 A Flick of Instinct The wind pounded Ori's home, tearing the upper branches from the pole shells and carrying them away never to be seen again. Some branches skittered and tumbled across the ground. One slapped Kyla's bare legs as it passed, sharp and painful as a lash. Three red lines appeared on her calf and wept blood that was instantly washed away by the sideways torrent. Quinn was shouting something, but her words flew away like scraps of paper. And that's what Kyla felt like as she stumbled from tree trunk to tree trunk following Quinn. Her dark-haired friend had sheathed her blade so that she could talk to Kyla, but her hand kept going to the hilt. Only obvious effort kept her from drawing it. Where are we going? Kyla shouted. Quinn turned, her mouth forming and irritated. What? Kyla waved her on. This was ridiculous. Another concussion shook the ground. It was not from the fell storm, but from the tempest currently raging upon the Mercosine. It was as if Eeples was leaping into the air and impacting with the weight of a house-sized boulder. Kyla's head throbbed with the power coming from the west, but very close now. She heard his distant scream of Dem Kisk again, enhanced by Mercus bolts to carry for miles. The man had the strength of a god, and apparently the highest of Till had decided to unleash him. She was ablaze with power, too, but she did not know if she could match Dun Eples, even if she could use it. She tried to throw up her Mercus mask, but the crown prevented it. They darted across a garden, keeping low to provide as little exposure to the wind as they could. The gale thrust them with hard shoves toward the prince's ward. The doors were closed, the windows shuttered. The door to the common area opened as they approached. Jean stood inside, waving to them. At the sight of him, Kyla drew Cain and charged. He had betrayed her. He had betrayed Quinn. None of this would have happened if he hadn't told Thine who she was and what she was. With cat-like grace, he sidestepped her awkward attack and wrapped her up, him embracing her from behind, her blade somehow in his hand and poised near her throat. But not touching. She struggled in his grasp, but he overpowered her. She tried to lash him with Mercus fire, but her grasp upon the power slid away against the wall of glass inside her mind. Let me go! He released her. Quinn leaned against the door and slammed the bar in place. The roar of the wind lessened, but not by much. Soaked through, Kyla shivered and dripped as her trembling fingers went to the gems on her crown. She twisted, seeking to pull the screws out of her skull, but a turn in one direction did nothing, and the other only tightened them. Jeanne gaped at the relic and mouthed a curse. Help me get this off, Quinn, Kyla said. Her friend came to her and fiddled with the gems. She tugged and even probed between the metal band and Kyla's naked scalp to see if Black could cut through one of the spikes. They do look like screws. Quinn said, but the gems just turn freely in this direction. Kyla realized that some Mercus trick was required to engage them. That way only a Merculin could remove the crown. The Vazan. 
I guess I'm kill-damned and kissed, she said in frustration. Climb the north wall, Nack sent, voice very distant, very desperate. Henley says. North wall, Carla said aloud. Why? She stepped away from Jean, putting a chair and table between them. He flipped Kane, caught it by the tip, and presented the weapon to her, hilt first. When she didn't take it, he set it on the table and slid it to her. She plucked it up and assumed a guard position. Huff says Paul's veil is that way. Safety. Help. Kyla, why are you angry with me? Jeanne said. Do you truly think I betrayed you to the voluptuary? To Thine, more like. I saw you guarding Quinn when they brought you to the dome for my little ceremony. Her throat constricted at the memory of the agony of the humiliation of being naked and cold and having her hair chopped off. She realized the white gown Thine had put on her was soaked through, making it mostly transparent as it clung to her skin. She shook out her limbs. She would not allow humiliation to cloud her mind just now. Maybe later, if she lived through the next hour, she would have time to be mortified. Quinn's lips moved, but no sound came out. With a frustrated jerk, she sheathed her blade. He didn't betray either of us. They came for me first. I got doused with that urn, too. She shrugged as if trying to loosen a too tight shirt. But nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. But they had found Black. Jean got hold of it somehow. He talks smooth. I merely suggested that as a skilled bladesman, I would be best suited to guard her. When they did what they did to you, Quinn said, her dark eyes welled up, but she firmed her jaw, forced the emotion back from where it had come. I'm sorry, I wanted to stop them. And what about you? Kyle asked John. Did you want to stop them? I, it is not a simple decision to begin killing sensuals. My family depends upon me to maintain good relationships here. My feelings for you had to remain unexpressed. I knew they would not kill you. Well, I hoped they wouldn't. So you allowed them to scald my flesh from my bones and scrape my scalp? We could not see the cause of your pain. They poured water over you. It didn't burn or smoke. It was just water. Kyla looked at her arms, her legs. In the moment of the shriving, it had felt like molten iron pouring over her body. As for the shaving, he shrugged unapologetically. Do I risk everyone's life to spare you humiliation and put my own family's interests in danger? An easy decision to make. You are strong enough to live through a haircut. Somehow he had ambled close while he talked. Now he rounded the table. She kept the tip of cane pointed right at his heart. He showed no concern but neither was he threatening. Kane trembled, the point carving a wild squiggle in the air. Kyla had never felt so cold, not even when she'd climbed to the airy above the citadel in Starside. Haircut, she said, throat constricting around the understatement. This is a little more than a haircut. You have a shapely head. He grasped her wrist, gently moving the blade down and away. Then his hands were on the sides of her face, thumbs stroking her cheekbones. 
My feelings for you never altered, but I have my responsibilities. I was going to press them hard to release you, to see if reason and diplomacy could prevail. But then Penny came. His eyes lifted, and he looked over Kyla's shoulder. She turned to find the young novitiate standing in the hallway. She looked small and fragile, except for her world-weary expression. She said they were torturing you. With this, he tapped a finger on her crown. That I could not abide. How can my family trust a voluptuary who will resort to such a thing? Especially against one who is here under the rules of princes. He came to me, Quinn said. I was ready to do anything he asked. For you, anything. Her eyes glimmered again, and this time she did not fully master her feelings. Though her face was strong and arrogant, a tear tracked down her cheek. Seeing it, Kyla's throat ached and her eyes began to burn. Where you go, I go, Kyla sighed, Jean said. Kyla could not draw her eyes away from Jean's. She wanted to believe him, but she didn't understand what he was talking about. Who was this family? Why would a merchant's son need to be so diplomatic with the way of Ori? You're not a merchant's son, she said. I never said I was. A roar blasted from the sky. Demkisk! The ward shook with the declaration. Another inhuman roar carried to them on the wind and was followed by a tremor in the earth. Kyla could not help but imagine Dunipples had become a giant and every step smashed huge footprints into the land. Jean smiled. We can discuss my family later, but know this. I swear to help you however I can, but I am no Merculin. Whoever it is that calls so loudly, I cannot fight him. He smiled, such a soft expression. But I've always known that you do not need my protection. Kyla wanted to fold into his arms, hide in his warmth. She wanted to say, Yes, I do. I need it. I have always needed it. But she said nothing as her arms wound around him and pulled him close. I'll protect you, she said after a long moment. But I can't do it with this kill-damned tiara bolted to my skull. I can help with that, Penny said. The girl came forward and with the imperious gesture of a teacher motioning for a pupil to approach, she curled her fingers. Kyla noticed the faint haze of Mercus around the child, and hope sprang to her chest. She disentangled herself from Jean's arms and knelt, head bowed. The girl came alight with Mercus and gently touched the gems at the back of Kyla's skull, then the ones over her ears, then temples, and finished with the one between Kyla's brows. The crown released with seven sharp clicks, a satisfying sound like the shackle of a heavy lock releasing. The pressure on Kyla's skull eased. This will hurt. The gem spikes go deeper than you'd think, Penny said. She set about unscrewing each of the gem spikes. How do you know so much about this thing? Kyla asked. The girl merely looked at her and blinked. The world-weary expression suddenly explained. She knew about the crown from direct experience. Kyla felt the rasp of metal against the bone of her skull. It made her teeth buzz and ache. 
Quinn gagged and turned away. Jeanne knelt by Kyla's side, rubbing her back and making soothing sounds. When the crown came off, Penny shook it so that droplets of Kyla's blood fell from the seven sharp spike points. Quinn brought a towel and pressed it against Kyla's wounds. It came away splotched with dark red stains. The holes will have already sealed, Penny said, but there will be scars. Kyla probed the area of each spike penetration. The skin was whole but tender. She shivered and was overtaken with an immediate need to get out of her soaked robe. Her room was as she had left it. The sensuals had not bothered to collect her trousers, top, and vest. With a little feat of power, she dried herself. She had just strapped Kane to her leg when Neeple's voice erupted. Damkisk! There! The ceiling shook and rattled. The wind increased, and the sound of a tree being rent in half tore through the air. She realized that Eeples hadn't been able to find her while she had worn the vazan. We have to go to the north wall, Kyla said, running back into the common area. Paul's veil. Wouldn't it be better to hide in here? Penny asked. There's a storm. Debkisk! Much louder now. The man was close. Now that Kyla was unmasked to the Marcusine, she'd be like a lantern in the dark to him. She slammed her mask into place. Too late. The roof tore off the prince's ward, shrieking and grinding as timbers split and nails pulled free. The fellstorm caught it, and with a great whoosh, it shot skyward and disappeared in the gray haze of the cloud cover. Water sluiced from the sky, drenching Kyla and her friends. Now masked, Kyla did not know where Dun Eeples was. We must run, she said. She sheathed Kane and hefted her trusty backpack over her shoulders. Follow me. She didn't know the way, not specifically, but all she had to do was follow the pull of her bond with Nax. Not waiting for the others to agree or disagree, she pushed through the door and into the wild wind. A path to her right led toward the novitiate's ward. Straight ahead were gardens and the long downward slope to the seaside. To the left, the fringe of the jungle angled away north and east. In clear weather, she would have sprinted straight for the tree line, but the wind forced her to stay low, and gusts continuously challenged her balance. Jeanne and Quinn followed, shouting words lost to the storm. Penny remained in the doorway, shifting from foot to foot, face stricken. The vazan dangled from one small hand. Come on! Kyla mouthed, waving her arm for the girl to follow. The fear in the girl's eyes vanished, replaced by determination. Head down, Penny dashed to join Kyla. The wall is very high, Penny shouted once she'd caught up. How will we get over? Kyla hadn't seen too many walls that could keep her out. They'd figure it out when they got to it. Kyla had never found much use in planning ahead, Events always seemed to spin toward the unpredictable for her. She took the vazan from the girl, intending to fling it away, but a moment's hesitation forced her to reconsider. She knew nothing about it, but such a powerful mercasine relic would be valuable, and just throwing it into the wind would not keep it from the sensuals or donesmasters. She had John stuff it in her backpack. 
The four of them pressed toward the jungle where the trees were leaning over so hard it looked like a vast invisible hand was mashing them down. Behind them, the pole shells were swaying too, but the multitude of secondary and tertiary trunks they sprouted helped keep them rooted. For such trees to be so big, surely they'd survived more than one fell storm. The rain fell in wispy sheets now, the drops so close together they struck like water thrown from buckets. Kyla had never seen anything like it, even in the rainiest season of Starside. Thunder rolled from one corner of the sky to the other, and flashes of lightning flickered above. Penny tugged Kyla's arm and pointed up. Against the strobing sky, the silhouette of a man descended, borne upon plumes of mercosined fire. His feet impacted the ground, sending up splashes of mud and making the world roll and shake. His bare chest heaved with huge panting breaths, and his muscles were corded with fury, each striation standing out from maximum exertion. The contraction never relaxed. His chest, arms, and thighs were in a state of permanent strain. The effort made him hunch like a bull-shouldered man-beast. Kyla had seen Dun Eeples only briefly before, long ago in the subterranean cavern city of the Thinnies. She had been so focused on saving Nax from drowning, she hadn't spared him more than a glance. Then, not long ago, this man had tried to kill her in the Hargath's chambers, while Kyla had been in the thrall of the ancient seer. She had not seen Dun Eeples then, either. But here he was, thin hair plastered to his scalp and runnels of rainwater pouring from his sodden beard. He wore ragged breeches, ripped at the thigh by his straining muscles. His form was monstrous in its pose of constant exertion. His muscles were carved so deeply he looked like a moving statue of Kill himself. Lips pulled back in a snarl and his jaw thrust forward, he leered with unmasked insanity. Kyla sigh, he growled. Dem kisk. He pointed his finger and started toward her, hands stretched out as balls of swirling mercosine light formed above his upturned palms. Kyla recognized the mercosine thrum. He'd been using this same feat before he came to find her. She wondered if any at Till's Tower still lived. Quinn had black in her fist, and she already circled to flank the man. Her hair flew wildly in the gale, and her black cloak flapped behind her like crow's wings. Jean, too, had a weapon out. Kyla pushed Penny behind her. She would end this now. She sought the iron in Donipal's blood. The man felt her murkus, and with a twitch of his own mind negated the heat she'd summoned in his veins. Of course he would be prepared for such an attack. This was what she'd done to all those poor thinnies. It was that display of power that had driven Dunebles mad and made him certain that Kyla was Dem Kisk. He threw his arms forward, hurling the glowing balls of Mercosine. They shone blue and blurred straight toward her, unaffected by the wind. Kyla's Mercus senses heard the doom toll of the bolts and felt the strange tingling power each globe contained. But she didn't understand what she sensed, except for the dire power it contained. 
Something darted before her just as both spheres struck her chest and threw her off her feet. Her limbs twitched as jolts of mercosine coursed through her muscles. If she screamed, she didn't hear it. When she struck the muddy turf, all her breath burst from her lungs. Muddy water poured into her mouth, choking her. The scent of burning flesh stung her nose and then was gone in the wind. Coughing and convulsing, she dug at the earth, straining to raise her head from the mud. She was alive, and it was all she could say. Her mind couldn't grasp how she had even come to be where she lay. A sharp cry brought Kyla's attention to the present moment. It sounded like Penny. Kyla pushed up, arms feeling as weak as lengths of slack rope. Her will was all that remained to her now. She dug for it, like rooting in the garbage heap behind an inn for a bit of unspoiled food. There was never much sustenance to be found in such places, but Kyla knew from long experience that if she just kept digging, a morsel would turn up. And so she groped deep inside herself and found a crumb of will, enough to get her onto her feet and leaning into the wind. Her body still tingled with the effects of Vipel's mercosine attack. That it hadn't burned her to ash or blown her apart was a miracle. She knew how much power the man had put into the attack, and yet she'd lived. Now she saw why. Jean lay on the ground, arms splayed out. His blade was still clutched in his hand. One foot twitched up and down. His free hand, too, moved in quick jerks, as if his fingers were manipulated by some unseen puppeteer. He had come between her and the attack, absorbing into his own body much of the power meant to destroy her. Dropping her mask, she shot her senses out, seeking Dunipal's. There, she looked up in time to see him plummeting toward her, the same spheres of power already formed over his palms. She saw into the Mercus bolts now. She formed her own, latching onto Kane with her power and pulling the blade from its sheath without use of her hands. With the second manifestation of her power, she shot the blade in a blur of violet at the descending madman. He sent one of his glowing spheres to intercept the blade. Kyla was not quick enough to divert Kane, and the two forces met with a thunderous boom that concussed like the hammer of Till upon the spine of the world. Though she was not holding the hilt, the repercussion on Kane shot pain through Kyla's forearm and elbow, striking her arm numb. Yet she kept her mercosine grip on the hilt, now two hundred spans away, and pulled with all the strength of her mind to arc it down toward the descending man. Eeples again struck ground, another spout of mud and water shooting up from his feet. He was in mid-stride, already charging Kyla, hand back and prepared to hurl his next blow at her. Sparing a fraction of her effort to control Kane, she formed bolts of tuberose scent and the caress of a spring breeze and the soft whispered song of a gentle mother crooning to her newborn. These she formed upon a bolt of warm amber light and thrust toward Eeples. The charm caught him. His steps faltered and his lips went slack. His remaining sphere of power dissipated in sparks and crackles. 
cane curved down, its speed making a hissing noise as it cut through the air, leaving a trail of steamed raindrops behind. Dunipal shook his head and stamped like a bull, fighting Kyla's charm. Of all the attacks he might have anticipated from her, the hard press of a lure was not one. And it bought her time. She ran for Jean, dove for him as Cain struck Yeeples in the temple. She didn't see the blade go in, but she heard a horrific sound like metal shearing through metal, followed by a hard thunk. Clods of dirt, rocks, and pats of mud splattered all round. She shielded John's face with her body until the last of the debris landed. Turning back, she sought the remains of Dunipals. They were not hard to find, for they were intact and standing. A thin slice of his temple was missing, exposing a glistening portion of brain beneath. Either he had dodged just a fraction needed at the last moment, or he'd used his own power to deflect Cain's course. He arched backward and roared at the sky. With this swell of rage arose a new Mercosine charge, something Kyla had never seen or felt before. Cringing away, she reflexively raised a hand to deflect the waves of emotion flowing from the madman. A useless gesture. Weak. But the emotion wasn't the attack. Merely stray power shed by whatever Mercosine feet he brewed within his madness. And now she could see something forming around his feet. Smoke. She had seen Flaumestack and the Hargath dements, vanishing in swirls of Mercus green. What Eeples was doing now formed a similar swirling cloud at his feet. But this was as black and oily as ink. It reached upward with liquid fingers, clawing from the earth itself. The fell storm winds did not cause so much as a wisp of the smoke to blow away. Cold wafted from the cloud, then heat. The smell of flash taper smoke slid past Kyla, made her nose burn. The eerie tentacles elongated, twisting and writhing in an obscene dance as the murkus black continued to thicken and grow around Dunipals. Faster it lifted, now spinning as it rose, twisting until it formed a twirling storm unto itself, and Dunipals was lost inside of it. Kyla plunged her own Mercosine awareness into the funneling black, searching for Yeeples, searching to make sense of the chaos at the center of this twisting column of undulating vulgarity. Stomach clenching and throat tightening with suppressed gags, she felt for Mercosine bolts formed of the basic five senses. But there were none. It took her five long breaths before the truth struck home. Dun Marlowe had once told her that the higher Mercosine feats were formed from bolts of senses beyond the five of humankind. He had spoken about senses of the Domainic realms. She hadn't been curious enough to ask what he'd meant, but now that she felt it, she knew. The bolts Dun Ebels were forming were woven from emotion. And in seeing it, she understood how her own higher feats had worked. Healing Jean had come from feelings she couldn't even name, as had the ashing of the thinnies. What she felt pouring from the black cloud was a stew of rage, hatred, righteousness, and the vile stirrings of animal hunger. Jean, get up, she called. His eyes were open, staring blankly at the storm above. His hand still twitched. 
She shook him, slapped his mud-spattered face. Get up! Something small and warm embraced Kyla. Penny. And Quinn joined her, huddling close, face a white oval of fear. Her raven locks were plastered to her head from rain, from mud. She looked so much younger now. She shouted something, but she was silenced by her own blade. He's dead, Penny shouted, pointing at Jeanne. No, he wasn't. Kyla wouldn't allow it. Forming bolts from pure instinct, she plunged her mercusine senses into him, felt his heart and lungs. Damn Kisk! Then he's in flames! Yeeple's voice shattered the air, yet remained distant to Kyla. Her attention was only on Jean. Kyla! Quinn's voice was nearly carried away on the wind. She had thrust her blade into the mud, though her hand hovered near the hilt. Either kill Yeeples now, or get us away from here. Jean's heart still beat in rare convulsions, like the last weak flaps of a dying moth's wings. Each slow convulsion barely stirred his idle blood. His chest did not rise in breath. Placing her hands on his head, Kyla probed for his thoughts. This was what the Hargath had done to her so many times. A vile intrusion. She didn't care about the right or wrong of it. Wake up, she sent into his mind. And with that sending, she wove a knot into his consciousness. Another trick she'd learned from the Hargath. A force bond. The Mercus connection slipped tight, and she felt him. Wake up, Jeanne! Kyla! Penny screamed. A concussion shook the ground, the footstep of a giant. Kyla glanced back to see the black whirlwind surrounding Dunipples had taken form. Towering over her was a figure as tall as a pole shell, each leg as thick as a tree trunk, and arms that extended in wisps of black smoke. The head was an incoherent smear of black, punctured with eyes of fire. Jean, she sent. He jerked up eyes rolling into his skull and limbs trembling. She didn't wait for him to gain control of his body, but grabbed his arm and pulled. Quinn took the other. Together they got him onto his feet. His convulsions stopped and he sagged, forcing the women to support his lead-solid body. Kyla sought Cain, which had buried itself in the earth after slicing through Dunipal's head. With a mercusine pole, it flew toward the black monster Yeeples had summoned. Or perhaps the hideous creature was entirely Dunipples himself. Amidst the flows of her own power, she felt the slow build of his next assault, a blend of hate and rage. It filled the air with an icy carrion stink and made the rain turn to pellets of sticky black that scalded her skin. Penny huddled behind Kyla, crying and screaming, Stop! Please stop! But it would not stop, not until Kyla put an end to it. She didn't know what sort of attack Eeples was forming, but she doubted it would be the glowing orbs that had failed to kill her. This was something vaster, deeper, a power pulled from the rancid heart of death. That it was taking these long moments for Yeeples to collect spoke to the enormous amount of mercusine he was bringing to bear. Kyla's legs were trembling, her body shivering. She hadn't recovered from the abuse of the Vazan, let alone the power of the storm, 
the blows she'd taken, or the stark fear Yeeple's madness had driven through her gut. She didn't know how to kill him, or stop him, or even defend against what he was preparing to throw at her. If she were the only one in danger, she would stand and fight. End it forever, one way or the other. But her friends would die by Yeeple's hands merely for being near her when she took the brunt of his assault. She couldn't allow that. Quinn was right. They needed to leave. She felt for Nax, north, past the wall. Hold on to me, all of you. She hugged Jean's limp body close. Raising her fist, Carla let go of thought. Desperation guided her to form bolts she had seen but had never attempted. A swirl of green fog rose from the ground at her feet, and then, with a flick of instinct alone, she wielded the mercosine bolts and let them go. The storm muted. The raging black monster of hate blurred behind a shimmering wall of green haze, and then the chill of ice water flowed down her back, and the world vanished.